Some cars are comfy on the inside but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Hey guys, special bonus Thursday show. Thursday, not Sam Thursday is live for everybody this week because we need it. We need to talk about some stuff. Usually this show exclusively on Patreon, but I don't know. I didn't want to hide this one behind a paywall. I'm sure there'll be some Patreon-exclusive stuff going up this weekend, but I thought a bonus show was required. Look, of course, the reason that we watch wrestling, at least if you listen to this show, and the reason that I'm assuming you listen to this show is because we love wrestling, because it's an escape, because we like to celebrate the good things, but... Some days are just bad, man. Some days are just bad. Some news is just bad. And it just seems like while we're all stuck in this mess, this quarantined mess, bad news keeps hitting us. This is not a good week to be a wrestling fan. Not a good week at all. A lot of people that, you know, you end up caring about. As cheesy as it sounds, you you spend years... Hours and hours and days and months and years watching all of these people and getting invested in all these characters and finding yourself interested in their lives and listening to them, you know, cut interviews on on podcasts and YouTube. And it, and it becomes about so much more than just what's going on in the wrestling ring, what happens, you know, on the regular wrestling TV show that it becomes a part of your life and you watch it so much. And, and think about it so much and are so invested in it that it just becomes a part of you. I think for all of us, wrestling becomes a part of us. And, you know, when there's bad news, it hits all of us hard. Before we get into everything that went down yesterday, we should spend some time talking about Howard Finkel. I mean, this one hit really hard. This morning, I did Pat McAfee's radio show. And just as I was getting off, I saw the tweets come rolling in. Uh, as of this recording, just about an hour ago, it was announced on Twitter that Howard Finkel had passed away. Now, in my opinion, Howard Finkel is the best wrestling ring announcer of all time, and there will never be competition. Uh, To me, anybody that grew up with WWE, WWF, that voice is as defining as any sound can possibly be for your childhood. I mean, I feel like it makes me want to spend the weekend just watching Royal Rumbles that he was the ring announcer for. As he would, uh, as both feet go over the top rope and onto the floor. Like, it's just ingrained in your mind, right? And now, let us all find out who drew number one. I mean... It was as, you know, you, you you think about your childhood and the characters that you grew up with and the moments that you grow, grew up with. But right there with them are, are, is Howard Finkel, is the sound that he brought and the visual. I mean, we all know exactly who he is. As soon as you see him, you're like, it's the Fink. The Fink's here. His voice then brought that gravitas knowing that you were watching something that was important. He was the sound of wrestling, for me anyway, you know, as a WWE kid growing up, he was the sound of sports entertainment. This is what sports entertainment sounded like. This is what ring announcers were supposed to sound like. And every ring announcer since Howard Finkel, that to me is the comparison. That's the standard bearer. I mean, you don't really, you know, 
you see like uh, uh, certain names being imitated of other ring announcers. You know, they would have certain, you know, whether it's Tony Kimmel going the rated R superstar or, you know, Gian Cena on, uh, on, on Roberts there, but Justin Roberts, but nobody, nobody has ever come close to having a voice as iconic to this sport as Howard Finkel. Um, so obviously I grew up such a fan. Obviously I grew up considering him an icon. Uh, the first time that I met the Fink, it was at a convention and I was just walking around, you know, meeting guys, getting autographs. And I had just kind of started in the game of interviewing people, uh, wrestlers and stuff like that and posting them up on YouTube. And I was working on Opie and Anthony, I'm sure at the time. And I said, hello. And, and, he had stopped me and just said that he knew who I was and said something nice or whatever. And I was flabbergasted. I, I, I was there with my wife and I was like, Jess, do you know who that is? That's the thing. I mean, that's, that's the guy. That's the ring announcer. Um, and he was just as nice a guy as you could possibly imagine. I mean, so passionate about professional wrestling knew everything you could possibly know. I remember growing up and when AOL was first starting and WWE had their AOL site, you would go to keyword WWF and you could go to go to the AOL site. This is before the website, before anything. They would have Outthink the Fink and Howard Finkel would be in the AOL chat room and he'd be asking WWE trivia. And I every single time he did it, I'd be trying to get one of those prize packs, trying to be getting one of those prize packs. Never got it, but always tried. Going to live shows as a kid, I mean, he would be the first face that you saw. Before the wrestlers came out, the Fink was in the ring, and that's how you knew you were really there in person, and then you heard it in person, and you were like, oh, my God, this is the show. So I met him, and we kept loosely in contact after that, which I couldn't, I mean, I couldn't believe every time I, I, we sent messages back and forth. I was like, this is the thing. Um, and he was just always just such a good guy. I mean, he was, uh, he would keep track of everything. Not only was he encyclopedia on wrestling trivia, but he knew everything that was going on. That was one of the things that he did was he just tracked down uh, who was saying what about WWE publicly. And not in a negative way, just going like, hey, let's just be aware of who's of, of of what our brand is doing outside of ourselves. And that's what he did. He would just go and he would look up wrestling stuff all the time. Um when I started the podcast, when it was Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, uh, I was like in my head, I'd heard Howard Finkel do a couple of like weddings here and there. Like they would go viral when he would do them. Cause again, so iconic. And I went, you know, this is like five years ago. But I was like, you know, there's a lot of wrestling podcasts out there. And if I was saying that five years ago, imagine what I think now. But I was like, there's a lot of wrestling podcasts out there. That was when uh, Colt Cabana was the king of the game by a mile. And I said, I don't know what I can do that's really going to make me stand out and make me different. And I had this idea to maybe see if I could somehow get Howard Finkel to just cut some lines for me. And so I reached out to him. And I... Again, talk about being flabbergasted when he got back to me and he said, you know, I normally wouldn't do this, but I'll do it. Yeah, yeah, sure. I'll do it. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. And he did it all. You know, you went through WWE's PR and everything and the whole thing. And I knew like as the steps, as we were going through the steps, I was like, at some point, I'm going to get hit back with like, of course, Howard Finkel is not going to cut your podcast intro. He's Howard Finkel. Okay. Do you have any idea what that voice means? And I'd be like, yeah. I was waiting for this to happen, but can't hurt to ask. Um, and I really don't even like asking for stuff. You know, that's not my thing. I don't, I don't, I don't like making requests, but I was like, this is worth it. And he did it. And I, I'll never forget. He got back to me and he sent me the lines and he was like, um, I sent you two versions. The first version is just like an announcer voiceover type version. And then the second version, I really thinked it up for you. And I was like, dude, you are the man. 
the absolute man. And obviously, I've used him. And if you listen, I mean, if you guys have been listening long enough, you know that the Howard Finkel lines, when I rebranded the podcast to Not Sam Wrestling, and uh, I was sitting there and going like, well, I want to rebrand the podcast. Obviously, all the imaging, which is our word for, you know, the audio production, the intro, the sweepers, I, all the imaging has to be different because all the imaging at the time said Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. I wanted to call it Not Sam Wrestling. So I went through with my producer and we got a voiceover artist, I'll say, to cut the Not Sam Wrestling parts. And I was like, let's just hack up. And at the time, um, you know, I don't think that the Fink was doing a lot of voice stuff anymore because his health wasn't in the greatest uh, place in the world. So I was like, well, I'm not, I can't, I can't let go of this, of him, of his voice on this, on these intros. Like this is, it's more, almost more valuable to me to have his voice on than my entire vision for rebranding it. And so we went in and we just cut up all the stuff that he had given me. So I could, I just took out everything that said Sam Roberts wrestling podcast and figured out how to just make it work into the new production. Um, and I'm so glad that I did. Cause to me, I mean, it's still, no matter what I do, no matter how long I've been doing this show, that voice on the front of this show, to me, that puts this show in a, in a class in and of itself. And then I jump on the mic and somehow over the course of 45 to 90 minutes, ruin the whole thing for everybody. But at the beginning of this show, you go, oh, this is a big deal. And that has nothing to do with me. That's because Howard Finkel is the one saying, here's the show. Um, so like, and, and I would, I mean, I told him every time I saw him, dude, I'm still using that. Thank you so much for doing that. It means the world to me. Thank you so much for doing that. And I'm glad that I did. I saw him last. I, I feel like it was WrestleMania last year, but it could have been SummerSlam in Brooklyn, but I feel like it was last year's WrestleMania. And it was the first time I'd seen him in quite a while. And uh, uh, he was in a wheelchair at the time. But he was just out saying hi to everybody and clearly just elated to be a part of the scene. And just just elated to be in the mix, to see everybody, to be a part of the show, even if he wasn't on the show. I mean, go back and look at, at, at the Survivor Series when at, at Madison Square Garden. That was the show when uh, The Rock came back to team with John Cena against uh, R-Truth and The Miz. That was the CM Punk versus Alberto Del Rio championship match. And Alberto had uh, Rodriguez there to be his personal ring introduction guy. And CM Punk, kind of as a goof on that, brought out the Fink. And you can hear, man. And it's different. That was in Madison Square Garden. That is the Fink's home. When the Fink came out at Madison Square Garden, I mean, the fans would not let him start his ring introduction they were cheering so hard uh everybody was so happy to see him i mean i remember for the longest time he would introduce the beginning of wrestlemania so that he could be the one person that was there on every wrestlemania if my memory serves me correctly for a long time he was billed as the first employee of wwe and he made it all the way through his life so you know we found out he passed away he was 69 years old as much an icon as anybody can possibly be in this world of wrestling. And uh, I am, I, per, on a personal level, I'm so lucky to have, you know, gotten to be in contact with him at all and to have him have touched my life at all. But on a much bigger level, we're all lucky that forever we've got his stamp on so much of the wrestling that we've got in front of us on the WWE Network and everywhere else. So rest in peace to Howard Finkel, man. And I see already in the in the in the Discord room, Grim Reaper, he's the new WWE champion. Yeah, man. Just amazing. Just amazing. So rest in peace to Howard Finkel. And I would never do bad Howard Finkel impressions. For any reason other than this. You know who does the best Howard Finkel impression? Luke Gallows. He told a story here, actually, um, of when uh of of when he was doing 
house shows, and Howard Finkel called him up uh, to tell him he was going to be wrestling Kane, but he did it in the Howard Finkel voice, and he never knew if that's just his voice or if he was, uh, or if he was doing it as a goof. But it was really, really funny. So go find Luke Gallows doing Howard Finkel impressions. It'll it'll bring a smile to your face. I mean, speaking of Luke Gallows, the the real reason that uh, we're doing a podcast today and making it public for everybody was because yesterday was Black Wednesday for sure for the WWE, a historic uh, amount of releases from the WWE in response to what's going on with Corona uh, and, you know, COVID-19 and and so many businesses struggling. Look, you know, I don't, this podcast is not, has never been about getting into the business of things because this isn't a business podcast. This is a wrestling podcast. The WWE is in this place where I think more than any of us know, you know, we know that, that Vince McMahon and President Trump, we know they speak, right? We know that, that Vince McMahon is one of the people who uh, President Trump is putting on a committee to help him restart the economy. That would lead me to believe that uh, Vince McMahon and the people who are talking to the president are aware that we might not be opening arenas back up anytime soon, that maybe the estimations of when we could get back into arenas are not quite as good as we thought they would be. You know, and I think that... that that the WWE is looking at what they're doing and looking at the potential long-term of the short-term future, meaning we don't need to just set ourselves up to be able to function for a month. We need to be able to set ourselves up to be able to function for a lot more than that. Um, Unfortunately, in that quest, a lot, and I mean a lot of talented people, were let go, released, and furloughed uh, from WWE yesterday. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's more today. You know, I, I I was kind of trying to wait before I did a podcast to when I think that everybody who's going to get released has been released. But I do worry that no NXT names were brought up. I mean, I mean, a very small amount of NXT names were brought up yesterday. And they weren't even really brought up officially. They were brought up on those people's own social media accounts. So I do worry that there could be more releases in that department today. I have no idea. I've been staying as far under the radar as I can with all that stuff. Um, but I have been reaching out to all my my friends or many of my friends who work there. And it was startling to me. Before all the talent started to get announced, when they just announced like their first five or whatever, that's when I was like reaching out to people and just being like, hey, just so you know, I'm thinking about you and blah, blah, blah. And I could not believe the amount of talented behind-the-scenes people that were being let go or furloughed. And furloughed just means uh, that, I mean, depending on how they're doing it, sometimes people keep their benefits, sometimes they don't. But it basically means that we're going to let you go, but you are still tethered to the job in a good way. Meaning once things get better, we're not going to fill somebody in. We're not going to replace you. So should things get better, we'll put you back into your position if that's something you want. That's my understanding of it anyway. So that is something to keep in mind. Um, But there's so many. First of all, the list of wrestlers that were released, shocking to me because of the amount of talent and passion that's on this list. The amount of people on this list that deeply, deeply care about wrestling in all forms. I mean, there's many people on this list that I look at as people that I would imagine would be involved in the wrestling business forever, that that can grow with the WWE system. I think the unfortunate thing is the WWE system in the short term has changed. You know, you also have to keep in mind that the WWE brought in a ton of talent. Part of that, uh, you know, was theoretically because of competition and they didn't want people leaving the company. And so they would just keep them under contract. But the other part of that was, uh, moving to Fox in October. They, that's why they started bringing in a ton of new producers. They started signing new talent, just like when they re- rebranded uh, the draft You know, several years ago. That's when they brought back Jinder Mahal and Kurt Hawkins and Shelton Benjamin. Same thing happened here uh, just in October um, with the idea being that you'd have two very separate brands and two very separate crews 
And so now you're left in a position where you're not traveling at all. And all you're left with is a crew that legally has to be a skeleton crew, a crew that must be a bare bones crew with a fraction of the revenue streams that you once had um, not traveling at all. So I think that what's happened is that the landscape has changed so much since October that the WWE was forced to downsize, at least in the temporary. And that's what I'm hoping, man. You know, I was really annoyed. There were so many people that were on Twitter going like, well, it's not that big of a deal because they're going to go to AEW. And it's like, what are you talking about? AEW is in the exact same situation. AEW is not running shows in front of audiences. AEW's revenue streams are being cut off as well. First of all, they've pre-taped a month of shows or so, I think. So it's not like they're going to hire somebody and bring them on TV next week. Second of all, I would imagine the fact that they're experiencing this the same way everybody else is experiencing this. They're not going to sit there and hire 20 wrestlers right now. You know what I'm saying? Like they're not, they're not going to, AEW is not going to go on a hiring binge right now because no company is going to go on a hiring binge inside or outside the wrestling industry. You've got AEW running television shows in empty arenas, many pre-taped. You've got WWE who's downsizing. And other than that, New Japan's not running. Ring of Honor's not running. MLW's not running. None of the indies are running. So the reality is that you have to be sympathetic to the fact and just realize this is just bad news. At the moment, you've got a bunch of guys and girls that are in their houses right now, not sure of what the next step is going to be, and they don't have an immediate response to it. They can get up a pro wrestling tea shop, start a YouTube channel, start a podcast, stuff they can do from their houses, but they can't do what they do right now. And that's, that's the part that's so scary. That's the part that's so sad for so many of these people. Um, you know, I, I, I heard some people, uh, talking about, uh, you know, well, why don't they release bigger names? And you're like, oh, I, to want somebody to lose their job. So somebody else doesn't, I don't think is the most constructive thing in the world. You know what I mean? We can just hope that the wrestling industry gets healthy again, because I think this is way more about all these individuals for me. Like, that's what I'm thinking about is these individuals. So that's kind of what I wanted to do is just go through the people that are either furloughed or uh, or, or unemployed right now. Uh, I mean, they're all unemployed right now, but they're either furloughed, furloughed or released or laid off or, you know, I don't really know because who knows what was said to each person. Again, I think even the people that were released, if they want to, when things get back to normal, you would hope there will be spots for a lot of these people. I hope. But, I mean, just a tremendous amount of producers, uh, according to PW Insider, over at the Performance Sendo, uh, Performance Center, Kendo, I was about to say, over at the Performance Center, Kendo Kashin, Ace Steel, and Serena Deeb, according to PW Insider, were all let go. Of course, uh, uh, Kendo Kashin, uh, Japanese superstar, Ace Steel, uh, probably best known for being one of CM Punk's trainers. Um, and being a friend of his. And Serena Deeb, of course, also uh, with a CM Punk connection. We know her as a performer best uh, for her work in the Straight Edge Society. She shaved her head and everything, but uh, she's done so much in the Performance Center since being there. Uh, over on the main roster, Hurricane, Lance Storm, Billy Kidman, IRS, released on tax day of all days, Fit Finley, Pat Buck, Davari, Scott Armstrong, and Sarah Stock. All of them, I mean, just ultra-talented people. Lance Storm had only been there for a couple of months, I think. Billy Kidman's been there for a long, long time. Um, and Billy Kidman, I mean, they're all super-talented producers. I don't want to single anybody out, but Billy Kidman, just a super-talent. Uh, so many of the women credit Fit Finley for so much. He's been working with the women for a long time now. And, I mean, you just went on Twitter yesterday, and you could see how much so many in that women's division value Fit Finley and helping turn them in to the wrestlers that they've become. Pat Buck is Pat Buck is somebody that I am not worried about in the slightest. 
We've had, I mean, you guys know Pat Buck is a great friend of the show. He's a friend of mine personally. And like, when you talk about somebody who's got a love of the professional wrestling industry and somebody who come hell or high water is going to figure out how to make it work for them, that's Pat Buck. This is not the first time that Pat Buck has been close to a dream job and then have it not work out. Pat Buck actually had a dream job this time. And I know he was he was doing a lot over there. I think he was doing a lot more than you guys even realize. He was on TV all the time, but beyond that, as you know, the, uh, a producer, but beyond that, I mean, the amount of input that he had in as much as he did, it was a lot. And he deserves to. I mean, he's a, he's a smart guy. He went in and created WrestlePro, which is a big independent company here on the East Coast. Uh, he and Kurt Hawkins are behind Create-A-Pro, uh, a one of the best wrestling schools, if not the best wrestling school on the East Coast uh, that has uh, spots in Long Island and New Jersey. Uh, so Pat Buck knows how to survive in the wrestling business. That said, I mean, I think he's got a tremendous amount to contribute to WWE. So hopefully he'll be back. I mean, you could say that about everybody, though. Davari, incredible. Scott Armstrong. I love Scott Armstrong. IRS. Lance Storm. Hurricane, you know. Hurricane is a guy who just a smile on his face no matter what. He was working a lot with the uh, Kabuki Warriors, I believe. He, he's done a lot, too. And he's got a great mind. There's another guy who's just got such a passion. All these guys that just have such a passion for professional wrestling that you're like, these, these, this is the energy that you need around the product. So I'm really hoping for the best for all those producers. Um, as far as the NXT names, I am not terribly familiar with MJ Jenkins or uh, Alexander Jaksik, um, who apparently were both released. I am very familiar uh, with interviewer uh, Josiah Williams, uh, Wrestle and Flow, I believe was the rap name that he went. Of course, uh, probably most famously got to rap Adam Cole to the ring during TakeOver. Um, but had since become a full-fledged member. He was originally brought in, I think, as kind of uh, just somebody who was going to help produce digital content and then became a full-fledged member of the broadcast team. He's doing interviews on NXT. He's doing interviews on the YouTube channel. He's also becoming a member of the uh, NXT UK broadcast team. So I, I, I would imagine that that one's going to be a temporary one, too. I really hope it is. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you talk about a kid living his dream. Uh, at some point, I'd like to really uh, talk to him on the podcast just about his journey to getting to WWE. Not necessarily about not being at WWE, because I think he'll be back, but about his journey to get there and who he is and everything, just because I think it's a it's an interesting story. Um, and somebody that I've been a, an advocate for for a long time, uh, Deanna Perrazzo, released, according to uh, herself on Twitter, uh, who... You know, this is a person who will be successful in a wrestling ring again. This is a person who there would be no doubt if wrestling were running right now would already have her calendar booked up. Uh, but that's the problem. I have no doubt that Deanna Perrazzo will be successful again in a wrestling ring. I just want to know when we'll be able to get a wrestling ring up again. You know what I mean? Uh we go over to the list of main roster superstars that were released. And honestly, as we're recording this podcast, I'm checking my Twitter account um, just to see uh, uh, if, if there's more names being announced. I, I just, I went, so yesterday morning, I went on, uh, uh, I, I went over to my, uh, my Mattel section of the Not Sam Cave down here. And I was reorganizing my wrestling figures. And I had a section of figures that was the producers. So like my IRS figure, my Fit Finley figure, like all those figures I kept in one section of the shelf as producers. And I had just made the decision, you know what? I'm going to take them off the active roster shelf and I'm going to put their characters with where they should all be chronologically. Because I have a shelf for the 90s, I have a shelf for the Attitude Era, you know, all that stuff. A couple hours later, they all get fired. And I'm like, What? That's the last time I reorganized my wrestling figures, that's for sure. Uh, on the list of wrestlers, he was he was technically a producer. He had been sort of uh, morphing into that behind-the-scenes role of producer. But Kurt Angle was released. 
from WWE. Um, which I, you know, I don't know how he was as a producer. I'm assuming he was pretty good since he's got a pretty good brain for pro wrestling. He took to it like a, like a duck to water. So, or a fish to water, but ducks like water too. Um, so yeah, I mean, if not, I, you know, I, wherever he goes, he's one of those guys that can show up to literally any promotion and, and be extremely impactful. You know, be, even if he's not wrestling, and who knows, maybe he'll pull out another match. But if he were to show up in AEW, Ring of Honor, New Japan, Impact, any of these places, uh, it would be a big deal, and it would be a good look for any company to have Kurt Angle. So we get to the active roster wrestlers, and there are some surprises on here and some not surprises on here, and that's no disrespect to anybody. Um, we'll go down the list. Uh, Primo and Epico were released. Um which I don't think was a huge shock only because they weren't being uh, used. You know, they were kind of just uh, there in the bullpen. So not a huge shock with Primo and Epico. Uh, interesting that the Revival was released only a week before this. And you wonder if they were like, oh, maybe we can release a couple guys. And they realized it was going to have to be a lot more than that. Uh, one that I'm a l- I'm pretty bummed out about, to tell you the truth, is Leo Rush. Um, I've been a fan of Leo Rush's since his work in CZW. I was in the building for his last match with Joey Janela, the ladder match where uh, I believe he no-sold a pile driver off the ladder or something like that and got the internet all mad. But uh, I'm a big fan of Leo Rush. He certainly had an up-and-down relationship, it seemed, with WWE. I thought the stuff that he did with Lashley was great. I was actually always a fan of Lashley showing his butt to the audience. I think the Leo Rush-Lashley stuff is probably the best stuff that Lashley's done with this run in WWE. Um, and I always thought that that ended prematurely, but you know, that ended with, with Leo rush, I guess being in the doghouse or having some trouble or whatever it was with WWE. Um, he came back and when he came back to NXT, it was really cool to see the fan reception for him. Um, and it was really cool. It seemed like, you know, just a refresher. He, he was on two Oh five live. He went to the main roster, disappeared for a while. When he came back, he came back when NXT came to USA and I, it seemed like it was going to be a big part of it. You know, when, when NXT invaded SmackDown before Survivor Series, he was front and center on that tank. Um, he was cruiser, NXT Cruiserweight Champion. Uh, it was a little surprising that he wasn't in the tournament. You know, and we, I talked about that on Monday's show, but the world has changed again since Monday. Um, so, you know, I don't really know what happened there, but he had been cutting promos and stuff on the internet. Uh, about the fact that he wasn't in the tournament and, and everything. Uh, look, you know, I hope Leo Rush is still passionate about wrestling, um, and I hope he's going to continue to wrestle because I think he's great, you know. I really think he's great. I think he has so much to offer. Um, and he's already done a lot. He's super young. Was he, 24, 25-year-old piece of gold? Uh, so, yeah, I really hope that that as soon as wrestling is back, Leo Rush is right back there wrestling. Aiden English surprised me, and I think he's on this list because he must have still had a wrestler contract, not an announcer contract, because I didn't hear any other announcers being let go. But uh, yet, anyway, who knows? Can't let me go. I work for free. I'm uh, I'm just there because one guy likes me. I read it on the internet. Uh, but Aiden English. Aiden English was, uh, you know, to me, first of all, I always liked when he, when he went through that thing uh, where he started wearing... Uh, tights with paintings on them. I thought that was brilliant. But uh, Aiden English did an amazing thing. You know, Aiden English was was locked in to a gimmick. He was locked into a partner, the Vaudevillains. Remember the Vaudevillains with Simon Gotch? So when Gotch was released, Aiden wasn't. And that left him in a very weird place. Because the WWE audience had only gotten to know him as part of that team. And usually, and it's not like they were looking at this team going, well, that one's Sean and that one's Marty and I can't wait till they split up. It was, no, we, if you, if you like the team, you like the team. If you didn't like the team, you didn't like the team. But you weren't necessarily waiting for them to split up. It was a very married act. And so when they split up, it put him in a very precarious spot. Now he's got to reintroduce himself and have the audience get to know him as a singles performer. And it was Rusev Day that really 
brought him to that level that he needed to go. It was it was Rusev Day, and I believe that Rusev Day would not have been nearly as popular as it was had it not been for Aiden English singing Rusev Day when Rusev came to the ring. You know, I I I think that that he was such a valuable part of what made Rusev Day so special. And even if Rusev Day never achieved what it could have, in my opinion, in WWE, even if Rusev Day should have been so much more, it's still one of those things that nobody's ever going to forget. It's still one of those things that at WrestleMania 34 in New Orleans, before anything was even going on in the ring, there was a stadium full of people, the Superdome full of people chanting Rusev Day. That never goes away. That's a memory that lasts forever. And a lot of that is because of Aiden English. And he was able to get that done after having this career in a tag team that he was married to, which is amazing. He went on after that, after the kind of Rusev Day uh, act separated. He was like, okay, now I'm on this island again. What am I going to do next? And he took up commentary. And he was really good at it. And people really liked him at it, too. He was the color commentator for 205 Live. Um, I think first with Vic Joseph. Then with, I think most recently, I know, with John Quasto. But I don't know if there was a little Tom Phillips mixed in there in the meantime, in between time or not. But, I mean, he's really developed into a hell of a talent in commentary. And, and I think what's great about him in commentary is he didn't come across as a wrestler who is commentating. He seemed like he jumped into the commentary world with both feet. And I think that that's something that not everybody has the guts to do. But his ability to reinvent himself over and over again, you know, that that's what makes survivors, I think, in wrestling. So, you know, another one that I hope is back, but, but a super talent and a good guy nonetheless. Uh, I would say Mike and Maria Kanellis. Not the biggest surprises ever. I don't know what it was about Mike and Maria. I kind of always enjoyed the Mike and Maria Canales, the fact that Maria was the one that was in charge. He took her name. You know, he was doting. I think it got a little crazy. I think it went a little bit to an extreme when it was like, you know, somebody else is the father of your kid. I like him better because his penis is bigger than yours type of stuff. Um... You know, I, I always, I was like, where is this going? Like, how is this going to help anybody in the long term? But they hadn't been on TV in a while. And when they were, it just wasn't probably what it could have been. Um, you always wonder if they'd gone to NXT first, would that have been better? I guess the legacy of Mike and Maria will probably be that Maria Kanellis was the first pregnant champion in the history of WWE. She won the 24-7 championship uh, while pregnant. So... That's a big deal. Of course, Mar that's got, Maria's got more of a legacy than that in WWE because Maria was in WWE for such a long time before Mike got there. But in terms of them as a package, I think that'll probably be the legacy of that package. Uh, no Way Jose is one that, you know, I mean, lovable, fun, fun act in NXT. But I think if there's any takeaway, it's that, like, nobody wants the kind of feel-good party guy. You know what I mean? We learned that with, uh, what's his name? The South African guy. How am I blanking on his name right now? Leo Kruger. You know who I'm talking about. Um, and no way, Jose, the same thing. But a, but a, but a fun act, nonetheless. Um, Mike Kyoto surprised me. I hate when news drops that it's somebody that I grew up with, you know, we were talking about the Fink earlier, but Mike Kyoto is a guy who has been a referee. I think as long as any of us have been watching, you know, I hated finding out that like uh, Jim Johnson wasn't the theme guy anymore. That, that, that Brooklyn brawler wasn't working there anymore. That, uh, that the timekeeper wasn't working there anymore. That, I mean, Earl Hapner was probably the first one. But Mike Kyoto really surprised me because he was the last kind of legacy referee guy there. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I think that he's just, when you see his face, you know, you know, he would pop up in the Undertaker matches and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, an iconic referee for sure, to say the least. Um, Sarah Logan going, uh, you know, I, 
I don't know why she was so far the only uh, female on the main roster to get released. You know, I always I always thought Sarah Logan was really good. I remember uh, when the Mae Young Classic happened. There were a lot of people whose opinions that I really respected. Jim Ross was one of them who said really nice things about Sarah Logan. I remember interviewing Charlotte on this podcast and she didn't remember her name at first, but she said that she saw the Mae Young classic and wanted to wrestle. Oh, what was her name? What was her name? And it was Sarah Logan. You know, I think she came in with a world of potential. The riot squad, I think hit in a big, big way. Um, and yeah, I mean, I still think she's got stuff to offer. And I think that she will make any women's division. And that's a, a thing. Like the WWE has women's wrestling on lock right now. There's no place in the world with a better women's division than NXT. And I don't think there's any place besides NXT with a better women's division than Raw and SmackDown. So, you know, whether it's Ring of Honor, AEW, you know, the Indies, anywhere else, Sarah Logan's going to be just fine because there is a need for really good, experienced female talent. Because that, that's not, let's not take that for granted. There's not that many people who have experienced wrestling in front of a global audience, in front of arenas, and in front of stadiums. And Sarah Logan has done that, and all these people have done that. So, you know, I think that that's something to definitely keep in mind, and that adds a ton of value to all these people. But Sarah Logan is one who we will see as soon as the wrestling rings are put up again. Um, Rowan getting released. You know, it wasn't, a, I guess it wasn't the biggest surprise based on what's been going on with Rowan, but it was a huge surprise based on what was going on with Rowan like a few months ago. He had been promoted before the draft to like main event level. He's literally main eventing shows with Roman Reigns. He was, he was Daniel Bryan's right-hand guy. He was like this, he had found this new niche for himself. And then, you know, I, the, the only good thing is I don't think he, anybody will remember him for the spider thing. You know what I mean? I don't think, I think that will be the thing that we forget. And I think that Rowan's legacy will be, it'll be the Wyatts, it'll be the Bludgeon Brothers, and then it'll be the Daniel Bryan pairing that ended up with him in a, in a main event spot. I think that's how we'll remember Eric Rowan. Assume, and unless he comes back and creates even more with his legacy. But I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, man, Harper and Rowan do well together. I think people would be pretty excited to see Harper and Rowan reuniting. Uh, Eric Young was released. And Eric Young is another surprise because Eric Young is a guy, you know, who really, in a time when TNA was not good at creating their own stars from scratch... Eric Young was created from scratch for the most part in TNA and really rose, you know, I think he made Sanity something that was very popular in NXT and just, it just didn't, Sanity never clicked with people and I don't know which people, but it never clicked with people on the main roster. Um, you know, it's and, and, and it's a real shame. It's a real shame. Eric Young is a guy who's got this wrestling brain in his head. Like, he wrestling is what he knows. He's hilarious. He's able to come up with super creative stuff. And I feel like that is what is going to be the next chapter in his career. You know, he might have a year or two left wrestling. Who knows? But I do think that he's going to have a lot to contribute behind the scenes in wrestling. And I felt like that's why he was still in WWE. I felt like, you know, he would be there to kind of help guys as they came up in the wrestling ring. And then, you know, before too long, kind of transition to a behind the scenes role there in WWE. But I still think, by the way, he'll end up there. Uh, we start getting into the real, real bummers now. We start getting into the, these are all, these one, two, three, four, five acts. Two of them are tag teams. I mean, I don't know anybody who wasn't bummed out by these. Heath Slater. I mean, you talk about being beloved. Heath Slater, it is hard to hear about a guy getting released uh, when his gimmick is, I need this job, I got kids, because that says it all, doesn't it? Uh, I think the one saving grace of Heath Slater being released is that the only reason Heath Slater is being released is to fulfill the prophecy, is to fulfill the prophecy of the three on me, of the three-man 
banned. Jinder Mahal got released from WWE. He got himself into shape. He came back a new man. He became the WWE champion. Drew McIntyre got released from WWE. He got himself in shape. He came back a new man. He became the WWE champion. There's only one thing left for Heath Slater to do. Spend the next couple years getting himself in shape, becoming a new man, get your ass back to WWE, and get that WWE championship, Heath. Get that WWE title. You got this. I want to see Heath show up in PWG. I want to see Heath do an indie run like nobody's ever seen. I want to see Heath Slater become a new person. I want to see Heath Slater get all the indie buzz that there is to get. I don't want to see Heath go to AEW. I don't want to see him. I mean, he could pop into Ring of Honor, but I don't want to see him in any promotion full time. I want Heath Slater to go on the indie run of the century. And get that just due. He's got so much fan support that is just bubbling under the surface. Get out there and get it, Heath. And come back and become the champion. The Good Brothers let go. Big LG, Luke Gallows, and Carl Anderson. Now, they've already set up their podcast, Talking Shop. So, I think they're going to jump right into that. But, you know what? I mean, Gallows and Anderson, they kind of were ready to go, I think, the last time that their contracts came up. But the WWE offered them just a ton of money, life-changing money. And they said, yeah, we could use that life-changing money. And they used that money, and they changed their lives. I think now... Now you're at a point where Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson have made their money. And you know what that means? They are now in a position where they can go out and do whatever they want. And that's exactly what I want to see them do. I want to see them go out and do whatever they want. Because I feel like we're going to get it. They're going to set the world on fire. We're going to get a tidal wave of debaucherous creativity. From Gallows and Anderson. And it'll be uncontrollable, but it'll be undeniable. And it's going to be whatever they want it to be because now it can. Hawkins and Ryder. Shock. First of all, props to Zack Ryder for immediately putting out a shirt that says not there. Because <laughs> still here was his catchphrase for so long. Look, we've had our podcast wars in the wrestling figure world. We are enemies. However, when you talk about two guys living their dream, when you as a wrestling fan think, how cool would it be if I grew up the biggest wrestling fan in the world and then I got to become a wrestler myself? There is nobody to live vicariously through more than Hawkins and Ryder. And their contributions to WWE are both different. And I think both different than people even realize. First of all, I hope Mattel is still going to put out that edge heads pack with edge. And then the Hawkins and Ryder heads. I hope they're still going to put out that edge heads pack. Um, but dude, first of all, you got Hawkins who we've talked about it when he was on the podcast before, um, who happens to be just a great wrestler. And has been used in that respect. You remember when he was injured and he was out for a while, he actually did uh, transition into a producer role for a little while uh, just because he couldn't wrestle. Um, but, you know, this is the guy. It was Hawkins who, along with Curtis Axel, trained with The Rock in the ring, prepping The Rock for his comeback. You know, I mean, Hawkins has become a young, grizzled veteran in his own right. And then you talk about Zack Ryder. And the legacy of Zack Ryder is the internet championship. And if you didn't live through that, I don't think you can appreciate it as much as you should. You know, I mean, I think that, that you look now and the idea of wrestlers being entrepreneurs and the idea of wrestlers having their own YouTube channels and podcasts and everything like that, it seems like old hat. But I mean, Zack Ryder started it. Being the elite, yeah. That was the, the, the Z true Long Island story was the beginning of wrestlers 
outside of a company infiltrating that YouTube world. As a matter of fact, I'll bet that the traction that the Z True Long Island story got, Zack Ryder's YouTube show, it, it changed WWE's whole perception of using YouTube. And now YouTube is a, is a priority for them. They've become one of the biggest channels on YouTube. And I think that, that Zack Ryder deserves a lot of credit for that. I think Zack Ryder deserves a lot of credit for a lot of wrestlers using YouTube. And if those wrestlers themselves were not influenced by Zack Ryder, the people that they were influenced were influenced by Zack Ryder. All the tongue-in-cheek stuff. Zack Ryder trying to get over a fence. Zack, what are you doing? And he just looked at the camera and he said, I'm trying to get over. All that stuff. People weren't really doing before Ryder did it. Um, and then, you know, they transitioned their passion for collecting action figures into a podcast, created this whole community behind it. I mean, you know, I, I think that it's going to be really interesting because when Hawkins got released the first time, Ryder stayed. And Hawkins figured out how to make a living in wrestling. Hawkins and Pat Buck became a pretty lethal combination. I feel like you add Ryder to the mix. You've now got Pat Buck, Kurt Hawkins, Zack Ryder, Hornswoggle. You've got the whole clique there ready to just create a storm. And I think it'll I, I think it'll happen, you know. I I I think it'll be really cool to see Hawkins and Ryder in a non-WWE position, and I hope that that happens. I think their podcast is going to get wilder. I think that, by the way, you know, I don't want to rub salt in any wounds, but I think that this might leave me as the only member left of the Elite Squad, and I just became an official member of the Elite Squad like two weeks ago. But I think that I'm all that's left now of the Elite Squad, so I'm going to have to contact Bill McKenna about that. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I think that I think that Hawkins and Ryder, Hawkins and Ryder, they already have Pro Wrestling Tees shirt stores up. They're both already enterprising, entrepreneurial guys. They both have this ridiculous passion for wrestling. So, um, yeah, it's going to get real interesting real, real quick, by the way. Um, but such a bummer, you know. Here's the thing. You don't ever want to see, you love seeing, look, maybe it's the way I present myself, but I say you love seeing people's dreams come true and getting to live vicariously through them. But for some reason, nobody loves me seeing, nobody loves seeing me get my dream come true. Everybody hates it. But, <laughs> but you never want to see the dream end for those people because you're living vicariously through them. But what you don't realize is there's a whole other side of it. There's a whole other world outside of the WWE that maybe you don't even think about that you're now going to be able to see these guys live through fruitfully. Um, and I really think that they will. Drake Maverick. That's another one who I was literally just talking about on Monday about being in the cruiserweight title tournament and how his passion for wrestling is like nobody I've ever seen. Let me tell you a story about Drake Maverick. Um, I want to say it was SummerSlam because I think it was Montreal. He knew a hole in the wall bar. It was myself. It was Drake Maverick. It was Vic Joseph. I don't remember if anybody else was there or not. But while we're sitting there, we're not at work. No wrestling is around. We're just at this bar. Vic Joseph goes, hey, Drake, can you name every WrestleMania main event in history? And Drake just looks at him like, what are you, an amateur? And he just sits there and he names from one to 35 Every WrestleMania main event. And then Vic goes, yeah, but you can't do that with WWE champions. He names all of them. He is a walking wrestling encyclopedia, and he loves every ounce of the wrestling business. If you guys were lucky enough to be there live, let me, I'm going to tell you what a good guy uh, Drake Maverick is. The last time I did a live show was all the way back in last September. And this is one of the reasons why I hate doing live shows, because they're really hard to put together. I love doing the show itself but I hate putting them together because I have to do it all myself. I had our truth booked for that show. And the WWE was coming to town the next day. They were doing Raw in Brooklyn. I was in Manhattan at Caroline's uh, the Sunday before. And it was, you know, we were billing it as my birthday show. I had Mark Henry. I had Kathy Kelly. 
And I had our truth in my head. And I confirmed, like literally, I want to say this, it was Saturday morning when I confirmed with truth. And he went, oh my God, I'm so sorry, dude. I forgot, but WWE doesn't have me on the road. I'm not going to be in New York. Fuck. I said, now I'm out of gas. I haven't really advertised. I didn't advertise that our truth was going to be there, but I, I wanted, and I started, and I go, I mean, it's a long shot. But I texted Drake Maverick because Drake and I, I just tell you, Drake and I had gotten together. We, we, we had gotten to know each other. Well, we knew each other in TNA because we were both friends with Josh Matthews. And that's when I, I first met him, when I came out uh, to hang out with Josh Matthews at a show. And Josh was hanging out with Spud at the time. And we just got to talking. And we got friendly. Um, I spent more time with Drake Maverick. Uh, he had come in. That's how much he loves this stuff. He lived in Orlando. They asked me to come out to Orlando to do some commentary training. And and because I'd never done it before. And they just asked Drake to come out and do it with me because it Tom Phillips was there. They were bringing me out for it. And they were like, well, we want him to practice with three people. So Drake just came out and he was like, yeah, sure, I'll do it if you need me. And he just came out and and did it. And I was like, that's that's amazing. As many jaded people as they are, there are, that you would just be like, yeah, cool, let's do it. And that's where, you know, we got a little bit more uh, friendly. And I texted him the day before that show at Caroline's. And I was like, hey, man, are you going to be in town? And he was like, yeah, I'm shooting stuff for the 24-7 championship. I was like, would you want to do this live show? 24 hours notice. He was like, cool, I'll be there. Sounds good. And he was amazing. He told all these great stories. Anybody that was there, he was like such a highlight. He told the story of, of, of the... 24/7 championship wedding. He told I mean he told all these great stories. Uh and he, and 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 just awesome and he wasn't even supposed to be there, you know? The fact that he was there and and he talked about his passion. He talked about the fact that like you know, if he wasn't on WrestleMania, he didn't complain. He took it as a notice that okay, I need to work harder cuz I need to get there next year. And that's that was his attitude with everything. If you want to know who Drake Maverick is, dude, he cut, he put that video out. And now, you know, when it was announced that he was released, tears in his eyes, emotional, dream job, also needs it to provide for his family. And he announced that he was still going to be able to be allowed to compete in the cruiserweight round robin tournament. Dude, that was a promo. <laughs> That was a promo he was cutting, okay? And the fact that he realized, okay, they're going to give me a couple more matches. I need the world to support me going into this thing. And he, and it was from the heart, and it was real, and he was talking about his feelings, but it was a promo. And he put it out there. And I mean, I don't know anybody that's not going to be cheering every single thing this guy does in the cruiserweight tournament. And you know why he did that? Because he gets it. Because he just gets wrestling. Because it's just wrestling first. How do I turn a negative into a positive? And he knew. Even as emotional as he was in that video, and that was real, he knew how to turn a negative into a positive, and he did it. And he's going to keep doing that. This is a guy who, if you look at him, you're like, no, I don't think it's going to be you. And he goes, oh, really? I'm going to make sure it's me. And he goes out and he makes sure it's him. I can't wait to see uh, what he does next. And I wouldn't, I will, I 100% believe he'll be back in WWE. And then finally, one of the biggest surprises was the release of Rusev. Um, the biggest surprise in the sense that there's such fan love for this guy, but Maybe not the biggest surprise in the sense that he has hinted on Twitter in the past about not being particularly happy with where he's at. Look, um, I think Rusev is in the drop the ball category. Uh, Rusev is a guy who multiple times he's had the opportunity to be at another level. He drove a tank into WrestleMania. I don't know if you heard. But, you know, I mean, it wasn't the same coming off of WrestleMania 31. He built up steam again during Rusev Day. It was just never, there's just so much. 
Rusev gets built and built and built, and then it's never quite fully capitalized on. And I have no idea why that is. You know, we can speculate all we want, but I have no idea why that is. Um, he's in a position now where he is in charge of his destiny. It's up to him to capitalize on it. And I 100% believe that he will. I think that this guy, you watch him on Total Divas. You can watch him in the ring. You can watch him on Total Divas. He can be a heel. He can be a good guy. He can be menacing. He can be entertaining. He can be funny. He can be dangerous. He can be whatever you want him to be. He's Rusev. It's Rusev Day. You know? And uh, and I think that that's going to continue. I think that that's going to continue going forward. Um, All right, guys. I appreciate you guys being here. Hopefully, we'll get in a Patreon-exclusive podcast, patreon.com slash notsamwrestling, uh, before Monday, and it will have a little bit better news. I was thinking about doing a fantasy draft. Now that we have all these free agents, I was thinking about what happens if I started my own promotion? Where would I go with all this new talent on the market? Maybe I'll do that as a Patreon-exclusive, and then hopefully Monday we can get into some better news. Let's try not to be bummed out. Let's watch some wrestling. Timothy Thatcher is in NXT. It's not all bad news. Let wrestling continue to be an escape. Don't allow it to be the bummer that it's fighting so hard to be. All right, guys? We will see you if you're on Patreon over the weekend. If you're not, on Monday for more Not Sam Wrestling. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Follow at Not Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Not Sam Wrestling.